from the Lake Erie shores of Northeast Ohio. Hello, Cleveland! Rock and roll capital of the world and birthplace of the comic book superhero. Faster than a speeding bullet, more powerful than a locomotive, able to leap tall buildings at a single bound. This is the Panel Scanners Podcast since 2012. Welcome to the Panel Scanners. We are doing our second part of our holiday special for this year. Uh, going to be jumping a little bit more into some cool things that we've been thinking about. So how about we just jump directly into this idea of holiday specials. Now, we were very lucky this year to get a gift of a Lego Star Wars holiday special out of nowhere uh, on Disney Plus. Have either of you guys had an opportunity to watch it yet? It came out uh, November 17th, I think. I have not. I, uh, I've now, seen part I of it. Uh, CJ seems to dig it, so I've seen part of it and not all the way through. Okay. Uh, but I, I saw it pop up, and that made me kind of think about this overall topic of things that we think deserve their own holiday specials uh jumping into the season we pretty much get everything that we want in nerd culture at this point which we talked about a little bit earlier this month when we were trying to come up with ideas of things that we haven't seen rebooted or redone or just something that hasn't been made for various reasons so this is kind of going deep but for something very specific, something that you can watch, something that you could make a tradition out of even uh, for the holidays. So just like normal with us jumping in with uh, our two honorable mentions and then a favorite. Do you, either of you guys have a honorable honorable for this general idea? I do not. Uh, again, I, I don't. Again, I, I looked up a lot of stuff that I thought of, but again, already exists. You know, so it's it's I, a I it's a three. Put it that way. <laughs> okay, it, it's a curse and a blessing, right? That yeah. we have this. But since uh, this was my idea, I will kick it off. This first honorable mention is something brand new to me. Uh, as I bragged a little bit earlier this month, I did get my hands on a PS5, and one of the pack-in game for that is a cute little basically a controller demo uh, called Astro's Playroom. And the main character in it is this weirdly adorable little robot that runs around and basically is connecting uh, the cords to all these different worlds in the PlayStation realm. So you're trying to find old relics from old PlayStation things and, and that type of stuff. And it's, it's a platformer and it's a lot of fun. But I think that the character Astro himself would make an incredibly connectable and relatable character in a holiday special in which you could go through a Christmas town and kind of help connect all of the lights and things for the people of that town. I just thought it'd be kind of like fun and you could do it in a short, like half hour show. It wouldn't have to be anything incredibly long. And like I said, definitely a newer one, but it was something that came into my mind in the last uh, few weeks, just, playing around with the game and how unbelievably unique it is. Uh, have either one of you seen gameplay for this at all? No. I know that I like that, no. though, because they did uh, 
for the VR, they have an Astros playroom, which was really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely the same character. It's like an unofficial sequel to that. And, yeah, it, it's just it's, it's really, really unbelievably cute robot guy. And uh, I just think about how much even my girlfriend was referencing how cute he was the whole time I was playing. And she kept watching me do things. And I think it would fit in that realm of family-friendly holiday special. So I just think that one fits really well. Uh, my second honorable mention is something that there are comic book versions of this in little like music videos and fan made things or very short kind of episodes from the past. But because of my new resurgence and love of this property, uh, this was honestly the thing that spurred my, my thought process of, of doing this other than the Lego Star Wars holiday special would be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles holiday special that is more based around the IDW comic versions of the characters. So it is a little more, uh, they're a little more gritty and it's not all super, super, super friendly. But um, I just think that the writing is so solid there. And with the way that the comics are running now, if they base it around that time frame with a mutant town and them trying to make the holidays happen with being removed from their families, I think would make a really uh, entertaining and, and uh, different holiday special that we could all enjoy. So my two honorable mentions are Astro and Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. All right, Gary, I knew you struggled with uh, this a bit. So what honorables do you have going? Well, I, I guess uh, my, my house is very uh, Mario heavy right now. Uh, again, nine-year-old son. Um, mm -hmm. I know there was a uh, was a the Super Mario Brothers Super Show back in the day. There was a Koopa Claus episode. But I would like to see a designated Mario Brothers Christmas special. I mean, he's done everything else. You know, so if you're talking about something you can watch year after year, you know, a 15 minute episode isn't going to cut it. So well, I guess that's really the only honorable mention I have. Well, I mean, since the Super Show, though, how many more Mario characters have they made? Characters? Yeah. Like, oh, there's. Yeah. Like, you, we have Rosalina, we have. Uh, Oh man, what is what is the uh, Daisy? All the different like Koopa Troopas that have appeared oh, yeah. over the years. Well, I mean, like there's, there's characters to use, but yeah. again, try to come up with something original. You know, again, Mario's been done, but I would like you said new characters. Let let's see a a, a more you know thorough job. You know, a longer episode. Again, something you can watch year after year. Yeah, I well, and I mean, just to spitball a little bit here, what about uh like did you play Mario Odyssey? My son has yes, yeah. He's so, uh, doing them all right now. So you know, you know that it has the uh, the idea that whatever hat he puts on, he becomes yeah. that thing. So he could get a Santa hat and do but like Tim Allen becomes Santa Claus. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I think that'd be a that'd be a definitely enjoyable watch. I could get behind a Mario Christmas special. Well, if you're gonna go that, then let's uh, you know go Adventure of Link too. You know, I mean they're elves, mm -hmm. so you know there's a new clan of elves that happen to live up in you know in the snow. So, twist it that way. Yeah, that could definitely work. So, a Nintendo Christmas. There you go. 
I yes, I I I had a Sony Christmas with Astro, and you have a uh, Nintendo Christmas. All right. Yeah, I like it. Kind of in the same realm. Yeah. Okay. So I guess as far as honorable mention, that would be uh, that would be it. Okay. Not too much for me, but my son would enjoy the heck out of it. All right, Darren, what are you bringing to the table? Okay. So, um, Phil, I love this idea the moment you pitched it to me. I thought it was just uh, something I can't believe we haven't talked about before. Um, now, my two honorable mentions is one that uh, I think is going to happen at some point, And it would be a panel scanners top 10 Santa Claus appearances in comics, one of which we will talk about tonight. Um, because I know he has factored in Marvel Comics. He has absolutely factored in DC Comics. I have been reading for the past couple of years now, um, Dan Mora and Grant Morrison's Claws, the first series of which was a six-issue telling of Santa Claus's origins, which, as you recall, the year it came out was a finalist for my pick of the year. Um, And... I think it would be really fun to come up with each of our 10 favorite appearances of Santa in comics. Now, this is something we would do next year, I would assume, as it's probably not going to happen this year. Um, oh, no. But that would be fun. And now my other one would be an animated movie, and I'll put this on the Instagram, of this. This is Superman Peace on Earth. From 1999, it is a 14x11, um, basically a poster book, but it is a narrative, and the whole thing is done by Alex Ross with the story by Paul Dini, and it's essentially Superman discovering, and I'll put some of the artwork in here, as you might expect, it's Alex Ross, and therefore some of this is absolutely mind-blowing and breathtaking, but it's Superman, um, he's doing his normal thing in the, around the holiday season and he begins to really start to feel the division between the advantage and the disadvantages the wealthy and the poor and he starts to see that you know who you know going across the globe seeing all this um people being held back people being resources being kept from him and he even goes and decides to find some of these uh third world dictators who are keeping food from their um their people and he thinks well i'm gonna go in there i'm gonna take care of this and then he finds that the people are not necessarily appreciative of his appearance and he starts to question some things um and of course there's a there's a couple of surprises along the way but this is one of the most essential superman stories and it really it really cements home what superman represents beyond just being a comic book character that i think more than any other comic book character superman represents something he represents truth justice in the american way and it's interesting and and we don't get political on this podcast but it's interesting about how that um tagline has suddenly re-emerged over the past let's just say the past month or so the last the, the past several months and how Superman sort of represents an ideal, even, you know, absent of the abilities and the alien uh, lineage, he represents an ideal 
for which I think a lot of people identify with as being this uh, pillar of American um, American ideals. And this book, written by Paul Dini, of course, Batman the Animated Series, I think would make an amazing addition to the DC cinematic or DC uh, animated universe. Um, I know that there have been whispers about attempting to translate Alex Ross's artistic style in animated form, but even if they just did it with the traditional um, animated series that you know which style which was begun with Batman the animated series, and then of course they did Superman the animated series, and even bring back voice actor Tim Daly. This thing doesn't need to be an eighty-minute movie. It could end up being like just a regular half-hour, twenty-minute episode. And I think it would be something that we would look upon as going, this is one of the most emotional entries into um, comic book and especially something attached to the holidays. Because I think Superman kind of shares a lot of qualities with uh, Santa Claus. And and I just think that um, he's the character to get it done with. It doesn't work with Batman and it doesn't work with... Maybe even, you know, Captain America or Iron Man. For whatever reason, it's got to be him, right? He represents that ideal. He's the Boy Scout. He's the Boy Scout, though, with... There's a sadness behind him. There always was. You know, if you if you go with the traditional continuity, he's a, he's a stranger. He's a lost boy. He's alone. He was fortunate enough to have parents, and then he lost his father. So there's always this underlying sadness to Superman where I think it's, it's, it's more out front with Batman Superman. It's beneath the surface. Um, so I just think that this would be one of those things that, you know, maybe it's the same tone as it's a wonderful life for comic book fans. This would be the one. Uh, so those would be my two. All right. Wow. That, that was that great. Didn't, that didn't make your final cut. Good I know. Oh, I'm, I'm interested to see what the this. top is. <laughs> I actually, I actually have that somewhere, Darren. That Superman. It's gorgeous. Um, it, it, I think it's tucked away with like my old comics, like from my childhood. And there is um, a gut punch in that book too that you don't. I don't remember it. Like that cover is very familiar. Maybe the cover is very familiar too because I've been in your basement how many times? Is it sitting out generally? Oh, uh, so it's 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 within arm's reach, and I just went to get it because. I know I couldn't remember if it was just Superman Peace or Superman Peace on Earth, but it's definitely Peace on Earth because it's a holiday book. Um, so, so maybe that's why I'm remembering it so clearly, but I, I am familiar with it. Uh, and so yeah, it was be... written, and forgive me, Phil, it was written shortly after, as, and if I'm getting the timeline wrong, uh, Paul Dini's Assault, which you covered uh, very eloquently. Um, oh, man, a couple the graphic novel so good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Uh, awesome. Okay. So I'm so glad I'm following that with my, my pick because I feel like your pick is just going to be uh, brutally on point. But uh, it should be no surprise that I would love to see an actual animated Spider-Man Christmas special or holiday special. Um, and our general theme would most likely be perhaps Peter Parker taking Miles under his wing in New York and trying to take care of all of those 
less fortunate within New York and, of course, most likely, let's say some criminals try to rob the feast or something and they have to fight together to save Christmas as spiders do or ultimately something happens with Aunt May that Miles has to step up and help Peter Parker save him in time for uh, Christmas dinner. Just, you know, the fun banter that you can get with Peter and Miles and just the wonderful crime fighting feels of a snowy New York, I think would be enjoyable to watch and something that could easily with some sort of heartwarming ending to it, be something that you could watch on a yearly basis. And I think that's kind of the whole beauty behind the idea of specials, right? Is that you'd watch them once you want to make a tradition out of them. So I obviously am loosely writing something here, but you do want something that has that extra grasp to it, that extra feel that makes you want to sit down with your loved ones and watch it on a year to year basis. Um, and I, I mean, like, I, I know I'm at the point in my life that I'm building traditions with um, my significant other that we're trying to find things to watch every year. And um, there does have to be something special about them. So I, I, I think because of my personal connection with Spider-Man to begin with, it was a natural pull for me for something that I would want to watch on a yearly. And I mean, New York and, the, and Christmas is just almost cliche, but ideal for a holiday special. Yes. So I, I just feel like that is, that is the obvious and most realistic pick for me. So a truly because there there are Spider-Man and uh, specials that exist. Um, if they're in any of the cartoons, they were like you know really goofy one shots, and there are some in the comics. But per what Darren was saying before, our uh, picks of Santa Claus in nerd culture, I think I think I could probably get one of those squeezed in with Spidey. So I this would be would be new maybe even in the art style of the spider-verse film because i think that would look incredible oh yeah that would be fantastic so that is mine spider-man gary wow um you you guys like have these like real touching you know things you'd like to see um oh just wait i'd like to see a thundercats christmas <laughs> Um, I saw a meme once that said something about the sort of omen was nothing but a large red laser pointer, and Lionel turns it on and all the cats go running. Which <laughs> kind of the line of, and again, haven't fully developed this, but I mean they are on a version of Earth, you know, so it's it's you know I'm, I'm sometime in the future, but can you imagine, you know, they're in the lair, they had this giant Christmas tree, and they're just batting all the ornaments around. Like that's all like the cats just can't stay away from these, these like hypnotic globes on this tree. You know, they just can't help but touch them. And then they shatter all, I don't know. Again, yeah. didn't take it very far. I just thundercats, <laughs> laser pointer. This sounds Christmas like the ornament. worst Christmas special of all time. It's like just a bunch of old cat superheroes, like batting at giant glass balls until one of them dies. Oh, it's just cats. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. yeah that's just, yeah, didn't put as much thought into this one as like you guys did for yours, but uh, I promise I got more for the other ones. 
So, Thundercats Christmas special. There you go. <laughs> I mean, I would watch the crap out of that, though. That's one of those things you put on YouTube, and it's just four hours of these things batting at a laser pointer. <laughs> All right, number two, guys. <laughs> uh, that was your number two? No, that was my number three. Okay. That was your your big pick. My first official entry. Okay. All right, so I'm wrapping Mario this sucker up then, huh? Let's hear it, Darren. Okay. Let, let's let's see how you make us cry or feel like yours is way better than you're, ours. You're not gonna cry. Um, and I think this is a this is a very good one to end this segment on. Did either of you and I think I know the answer to this. Did either of you see over the summer, did you watch The Last Dance? No. The ESPN no. 30 for 30 series. Uh, oh, yeah. I watched about half of it, and I just felt like it was really long-winded. Okay, so that's coming from someone who's not a basketball fan like I am. That's least, not – that's – I whoa, mean, whoa, I'm whoa, a basketball whoa, fan. Whoa, 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 time out. Not – you didn't let me finish. That I am to the level of which I absorbed – basketball in the 80s and 90s of which my friend gary will attest um oh he did yes it was as big as i am um into what were this the the things we generally cover on this podcast uh nothing superseded hoops back in that time for me i i was at one point able to name for you the um Every starting five player, probably a couple guys off the bench, and the coaching staff to every all thirty teams in the NBA at that time. Um, I had stats. I mean, and, it, and this carried on a good long while um, into my adulthood. So the last dance for me was riveting. First of all, it was just absolutely excellently produced. Um, it's the music in that thing was just just peerless to anything else I've ever seen ESPN 30 for 30 films produce. Um, there were so many moments and the fact that you got an entry into Michael Jordan and he was sitting there telling you a story. Unbelievable. Now, having said that, what I want for my number one from the producers of ESPN 30 for 30 Films, The Last Dance, comes the next great documentary series. Staying within the Disney ecosystem on Disney+, Plus, a six-part series examining one of, if not the, biggest pop culture curiosities known to mankind. Beginning holiday season 21 comes a comprehensive examination of of the 1978 dumpster fire known as the Star Wars Holiday Special. Interviews with the cast and crew, archival footage of those who have passed on, sound bites from those who watched it live, reactions from those seeing it for the first time. We need to get to the bottom of this thing, you guys. It is high time that we know what in the blue hell was going on when that thing was produced. For those I who was wondering not, where you were going with this, man. <laughs> for those who may not be aware, and trust me, Disney and Lucasfilm has done everything they possibly can to make sure you are not aware of 
I'm sure you've heard of the infamous Darth or the, the Star Wars Holiday Special. Are you aware yeah. that Harrison Ford is in this thing as Han Solo flying the Millennium Falcon, clearly despising his existence? If you watch this thing, Mark Hamill, you have to go look at what he looks like in this in this thing. They do the the cheesy. Um, 1970s thing where an announcer mentions their name and they look up at the camera and you got to see Mark Hamill do this man you're like oh, oh my god what happened to him oh, I think we know but um Carrie Fisher's in this the droids are in this of course uh, most people are aware that there's the the animated sequence in the middle which introduces Boba Fett and it gets a lot of cult following boy it's just is it's weird to look at that though like the animation style is it's a little bit unsettling to some degree. There is an 11 plus minute segment uninterrupted of Chewie's wife Lumpy and his <laughs> son Itchy going about their daily routine in their Wookiee house. Um, you see Lumpy put on an apron and bake cookies. And all the while, there's no dialogue. It's just Wookiee speak for 11 minutes. 11 uninterrupted minutes. I actually play this in my classroom every holiday. It's one of my favorite days. Unfortunately, I won't get it this year. Because the students, like, they'll watch it, and they just can't stop. They're like, Mr. P, what is this? I'm like, I'll turn it off. No, no, I can't look away. This is horrifying. It is. Um, it, it, uh, okay, so let's. Uh, we have to know. What, what went into, like, who wrote this? They need to come clean. They need to admit it. Who who put the, who direct? I mean, I know we have credits in directing, but at what point, I want to know what went into, we have to have B. Arthur in a galaxy far, far away. She needs to. Oh, jeez. We need, I she's in this. She's in this. Art Carney. Uh, what is Art Carney's function? Operating between, somehow beneath the Empire's detection. Um, and of course we need to answer the age old question. Is this canon? According to George Lucas, it is. This, we need answers, guys. It's time we examine this. This is the, this is the Zapruder film for, um, nerds. This is the, we, we see it. We know it's there. Everyone sees that what happens, but we don't have all the information. We don't have all... You really don't, Phil. Trust me on that. Um, and this is what? Life Day or something? What yes, was the holiday Life called? Day. Which, uh, Phil, I think will tell you, the uh, the new holiday special, the Lego one, centers around Life Day. <laughs> um, Does it? I, I haven't watched it yet. Oh, I, I thought you... To. I'm sorry. I thought you did. No. Um, so it's it's time we, we get to the bottom of this thing. And I think this would be riveting. And I know if Tim were here, he would be banging his table going, you are right, sir. It is time. <laughs> I mean, if there is one avenue of the star wars universe that we've not overmined it certainly is this but it's time it's time to go down this path listen we now have boba an unmasked boba fett walking around okay i know they're what could be a clump come on man they're not gonna pull that on us and if they do that is a really cheap trick but so now we we've taken the the mystery we are now demystifying boba fett like literally the last thing that star wars had left up to some mysticism is now being demystified. This needs to happen. 
Disney Plus, it's all right there. We know Carrie Fisher's gone on record multiple times speaking about this thing, about being developed in this thing, about none of them wanting to do it. Um, and about George Lucas going, yeah, just let him do it. What's the worst that can happen? <laughs> Which is, he said multiple times. So there it is, folks. I can't wait to see it. I hope it's produced. Um, I, and, and it's funny, I'd say there's no way it happens. I, I don't say that about a whole lot of things anymore, and I'm not going to say it about this one. Oh, man. I would I would watch that for sure. I I really, I, I cannot, I think I've blocked it out. I know I've seen the film. It's worth Special. it for Mark Hamill when his name is announced in the credits, featuring Mark Hamill, and then just watch Harrison Ford in that. Like he is angry that he's there, and it, legend has it that was one of the reasons he wanted out of Star Wars, like permanently. He, you could just see it on his face. He's like, you could he, every every he's like, what? And he, I have to say, all right, well, I'll we'll get you home to life, day, buddy. <laughs> you know, it's it, it's. I mean, that's freaking Indiana Jones, right? It's the greatest, it's it's the biggest cinematic um, box office success actor, whatever you want to say, it's Harrison Ford. And he's in there delivering lines for a holiday special. It, it, this, I demand answers. I demand them. There was, I think it was Big Bang Theory. It was uh, Sheldon's wedding Mark Hamill was in it. He was officiating the wedding, and one of the guys in the crowd asked him about Chewie's wife, and Hamill's response was, "Chewie has a wife." You know, so it was I don't know if it was a you know the joke that he wasn't even aware of what was going on in the rest of the special. You know, like he shot his scenes and then left and never watched it, or if, you I'm, know that was the running joke. Or my wife and wow. I just started watching The Big Bang Theory. I've never seen it before. Um, and we just started watching season one a couple days ago, so I will get to that point. It's good to know. I'm I'm sure I was aware he was in it at some point, though. I never could get into it. It just it, I, I didn't connect with that show. I should backtrack. I'd say I've never seen a full episode. I've been told by many people that oh, you will love this show for obvious reasons of the pop culture references. And I was like you, Phil. I tried, and I just couldn't get into it. And we decided, all right, let's give it one more try. It's growing on me. I'm still not there yet. Yeah, I, I don't know. Generally, laugh track sitcoms pull me out in the first place. You, and... you know, I'm right there with you, Phil. Yeah. So I, I remember thinking like a lot of the things that people found funny when they're talking about comic books and video games, and I'm mm-hmm. going, yeah, and? You know, so it's like this stuff that's supposed to be like, you know, laughable. It's like, no, that that's my normal, you know, stuff. Like, I, it, I understand that. That's what's so funny about that, you know? Yeah, it was, yeah, it was that, and it just felt like they are trying too hard the whole time, and I was just like, I know, like, most of the people in the show are, like, legitimate nerds and, like, into this stuff and know their stuff, but it just felt like they were trying too hard. Well, also, like, some of the stuff I saw, I'm like, am I being laughed at? Is that what I'm supposed to think? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> and I, I'm starting to get it now. I'm like, oh, okay, so if you watch it briefly, you definitely pick up on that sense, but as you go further down it, you you get it, and you're like, no, they're not making fun of me. Um, they're they're presenting this in a way that shows that, listen, you know, I once heard the best, the best quote, it comes from John Green. If you guys are familiar with him, he said that if you are a passionate nerd about something like, obviously we're in, you know, season we're, we're in season nine of doing this podcast together, Phil. And clearly (laughs) this is a passion of ours. And Tim's been with us 
you know, what, four years now, and Gary's been on with us multiple times. So this is something that we're passionate about. And John Green said it good. He said it as his best quote as I've ever heard. He said, if you are passionate about this, then all you are doing is participating in the miracle of human consciousness. Being able mm-hmm. to make a decision to love something that's not just you, that others love as well. And I love that you're, you're participating in the miracle of human consciousness. And what's wrong with that? And I believe my wife is telling me that I need to go and put CJ to bed. Uh-oh. Okay, I need to go read my son a story. So um, I will be participating in the miracle of human consciousness by reading my son a story. Um, while you guys talk about the last Christmas. the last Christmas, yes. So this is one of those times in the in the in the industry in the business. What we're going to say is, stretch it. Because I've a super read long this story. I've read this, and I'm excited for it. I shall be back. Okay. Well, Wait, okay. I, I missed something. What? I still have one more. What happened? I think you were behind. That's what we. That's what we said. We did the two honorables at the same time, and then. Oh, there were two. Oh, I'm sorry. They were honorable. Okay. Well, we got to do something else. Now we got to redo the entire episode, Gary. <laughs> no, now you can slide yours in after Darren's. Um... All right, so we're going to do an experiment because this is happening uh-huh. on the fly. I'm going to go put my son to bed. I don't know how quickly I'm going to be back. I want Gary. Gary, you're going to text me what yours is, and I'll respond, and then you're going to be my voice. Ooh, that sounds. Huh. Yeah, it sounds difficult. It's probably okay. going to go terribly wrong, but why not try it? Okay. I, I thought when we went uh, honorable mentions, that was like outside of the list of three. No, that would have been the honorable, honorable mentions. Gotcha. Okay, and I guess I told you I didn't have any of those. That is what you said. Okay. Well, actually, the uh, Mario Brothers Christmas thing kind of took the place of the uh, Star Wars A Christmas Carol. Okay. Um, and the only connection I had there was like the Force Ghosts and... The Ghosts of Christmas Past, Present, and Future. Anyway, my number one is actually a Doctor Who episode. Um, I, I know they do these, you know, as we discussed earlier, as I was kind of fact-checking, they do these Christmas episodes. What I want to see, though, is since Doctor Who is into you know time travel and whatnot, um, an episode where he kind of goes back in time to Bethlehem, you know, to the time and place of, you know, the birth of Christ. You know, about the time that that was supposed to happen. Now, depending on who's directing this, you know, it will either uh, prove or foil, you know, the whole story. But I kind of see the, you know, final scene of this being, you know, Doctor Who and his TARDIS, you know, the TARDIS lighting up in the sky and kind of being the bright star, you know, that Joseph and Mary follow, you know, to the, the manger in Bethlehem. You know, sort of a, a tie-in that way. So good way to enrage every Christian. That's what I mean, depending on That's who's good. directing this, yeah. you know. <laughs> so that was kind of my only thought on that. It was just uh, time travel to the time, you know, prove or disprove. And again, it's it's someone's take on it. But again, that would be a, a nice, nice send-off in the end is, you know, TARDIS in the sky, you know, they, they pan away and then you see, you know, a man leading pregnant wife on a donkey towards, you know, the blast site, you know, where you just, you know, anyway. So, well, I mean, that's definitely not out of the realm of possibility for a Doctor Who episode yeah. by any stretch of the imagination. 
Ah, uh, man. I don't know. But you bringing up Doctor Who is bringing that scratch back of wanting to watch it. Oh. See, I have a sister-in-law who is really big into it, but it was just never something... I don't know. Maybe if I started watching it, I'd get hooked, but it was just nothing. I mean, probably, I mean, a good jumping on point is those Christopher Eccleston episodes when they did like the relaunch of Doctor Who and man, that must have been like the late 2000s. I think it was 2008. Pre-Tenet, right? Yeah. um, Yeah. The guy right before Tenet. Okay. That was that is a good jumping on point. Um, that season is so unbelievably good. Uh, I believe it's uh, 2008. So it, and again, if you uh, if you man, maybe it was before 2008 because oh man, 2005. Yikes. See that's how that's how far off I am because it's just been that long. I used to know Doctor Who in and out. You, you could have made something up, and I wouldn't have known the difference. Yeah, no, it was two thousand five. Uh, all this stuff is on. If you have HBO Max, I know they have the Doctor Who stuff on there. But I mean, even starting there, you're looking at twelve seasons or series, as they call them, with thirteen episodes ish per. Okay. So, and they're hour-long bad boys, so you you would definitely have a lot of watching to do. Because um, I fell out somewhere in the 12th Doctor, I think Series 8 of, uh, yeah, the third episode of Season 8 of the newer stuff. So, mm-hmm. it's it's been, it's been four years since I've watched any. Okay. But yeah, I mean that that would definitely be in the realm of a Doctor Who special. The him doing something in Bethlehem and then somehow becoming the star that they follow. Um, yeah, I would not. I would not be surprised if that existed. <laughs> all right, Weird so yeah, that's, that's, that's all I got there. Again, uh, not developed and no, uh, you know, emotional ties to it. Just uh, thought it'd be a cool idea. No, I mean, hey, why not? All right. So, since Darren is still in the middle of uh, reading his child a bedtime story, I'm still going to jump into my retro review of The Last Christmas. Um, I'm fairly certain it came out in 2013. I, I don't know if that's when the trade came out or if that's when the individual issues came out. Um, but the the copy I have is from 2013. It's written by Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn. At the time, they were writing uh, Deadpool together uh, with art by Tony Moore and Rick Remender. So have you ever heard of this thing, Gary? Yeah, that, that particular title has been used in so many different things. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's why I know it or if I've heard it from a song or – something else. So I can't okay. stand familiar with it. So I'm going to say no. So uh, let me, let me give some background here. So okay. the last Christmas itself, these two guys are friends, uh, Jerry and Brian, and they were playing a game of halo over Xbox live. And they just started talking about how funny it would be to inject Santa into a post apocalyptic action movie. 
with like over the top violence, ridiculous one liners. And then the first part would be kind of him and his like downward spiral. And then at the end, him being like this awesome, cannot stop killing everything that he's against person. Okay. So they're like, hey, we got this cool idea. Let's make this into a comic book. Well, like on the good guy, good guy side, killing everything, right? Yeah, Santa. Okay, but not like a Santa's sleigh type thing, but I mean, it, yeah, he. Okay, we'll get there. So okay, okay. Uh, basically, the the story is World War Three has destroyed the Earth, which you know that's not anything super surprising. Um, if you did somehow survive you were probably part of a street gang or you became a hideously deformed mutant. So basically the whole world falls into chaos and uh, there is just this horrible, horrible thing of a group of these street gang people called the Marauders, which is a, again, general comic trope. Uh, they came up with a plan that while Santa is out delivering presents to the few children left in the world, that they were going to swoop in to the North Pole, destroy the North Pole, and kill everyone that is there, elves and everything. So Santa gets back from his little trip to find Miss Claus and most of his elves slaughtered. Fast forward a little bit to an incredibly alcoholic Santa Claus who keeps trying to commit suicide. Uh, However, because there is one child left in the world who believes in Santa, he is unable to die because the power of belief keeps him alive. So he spirals and spirals and spirals, and then he finally gets this note from the child to, uh, you know, give him a present, a, a bicycle. And an elf kind of urges him to do so. So instead of a bicycle, he brings a chainsaw and he goes to kill a kid. And when, because he figures if he can kill the kid, he can finally kill himself. And what's it matter anymore in this world, right? So he gets there, sees the kid, realizes how much the kid believes in him, decides he can't actually kill him. And then everything just kind of spirals. Um, And he decides he wants to survive and kind of stop the marauders from doing anything comes to find out that the head of the marauders is the one who killed miss claus so he basically goes on a bit of a rampage at the end killing all of them as as well as the leader um of course mixed in during all of this and the gratuitous violence and stuff there is the um overly sexualized woman um Again, I cannot remember if it's actually the child's mother or just the woman who's taking care of him. But one of the elves says some pretty uh, questionable things toward her. And she's kind of just treated as like arm candy through it, even though like she is also part of the slaughter. So, I mean, it. although original, the book does not feel original it feels over the top for the sake of being over the top which is the point the overall point of this thing is let's make the most ridiculous possible santa claus story with violence and make him an action hero and go from there 
I mean, I don't know. It's it's run of the mill, down the middle. I don't think it's anything super, super, super spectacular. Um, it's entertaining. It's a very fast read, but I don't know. I I just felt I felt like it was very predictable and very aggressive for the sake of being aggressive. When when did this come out again? Uh, the reprint, at least, was twenty thirteen. Okay, there was a movie, was it uh, The Guardians or something like that? Where they kind of like the holiday characters and they were, you know, supposed to like defend the Earth. Santa Claus is, you know, like his, you know, ripped sleeves, he's jacked. You know, he had kind of like a Russian accent almost. And it, it was kind of action hero-y-ish. I think it was more recent than 2013. So I can't say that's where they got the idea from. Well, no, because I wouldn't – I would not say that Santa was an action hero in this. He's also not ripped. He's got a pretty big belly going down. Um, I just – yeah. It, I Again, I don't think it's a super unique story in any way, shape, or form. And unless you I, – I mean, I don't know. Darren, you have returned to us. What was your opinion of this thing? I took a lot more from it than I think you did in terms of it's. You said it's. Uh, I don't want to paraphrase. Run the mill, right down the run of the middle, run of the middle, right down the middle. Sort of straightforward. This to me was an absolute comment on Western societies usurping the message of what christmas is supposed to be in terms of it being this absolutely over commercialized holiday to the point where um it starts appearing in august now um and why because people will go out and buy things in august um and it's also a comment on what christmas is supposed to be and it's a redemption tale. Um, Santa Claus is someone who begins his tale with, you know, the most noble of notions. And then everything is taken from him. And he descends into this despair, which who can blame him? But then now he becomes so so self-absorbed that he's willing to kill a child in order to ease his own pain instead of you know fighting through it and finding what he once was and honoring those who helped build him into the legend and i don't even think legend is it goes far enough um he became a god-like figure um and it's obviously, this is a Western version of Santa Claus, the, the very atypical Western version of Santa Claus. And I think it's it's something that, you know, the violence is, is a comment on American society for sure. We are extremely violent society. I think the last yes. year has proven that we're an extremely violent society. And I think that we are living in a time now that we think that we are, we, we have people are supposed to be uh we we appoint to positions through a democracy that tell us that we should react violently 
Um, and I think this is a comment on that as well, that you have this holiday that tells you, uh, you know, peace on earth, goodwill towards men. Um, but all that really is, is telling you to go out and buy stuff. And, and guess what? If you don't get what you want, well, guess what you can do? You can go out and you can kill a bunch of people or you, you can take it from somebody. So I think this was, and if you read Patton Oswalt's uh, forward to this, I think he's alluding to that very mm-hmm. heavily. Um, so that's kind of what I took out of this. And you know, knowing the authors, Brian Prosane and Rick Remender's involved and Gary Duggan's involved. This is, you, you sort of know what you're getting into before you even get into it. So I thought, I think I took a, a lot a lot more away from this in terms of a little bit of self-reflection because I'm very guilty of it. I, I, uh, you know, with two young children in the house, Christmas is a big deal. It is a big deal. And I thought it was a big deal before, but nowhere near as big deal. Like you're going to see on the Instagram, if it's not already there, holiday He-Man. I couldn't help it. He-Man, holidays. I'm just as guilty as everybody else. I'm listening to Christmas music a lot now. Um, I'm putting lights up on outside the house because it's fun. So I'm no better than anybody else in that story, with the exception of I don't believe I'll be acting violently if I don't get my way. Um, so that's kind of what I took from it. But you know what oddly this did? Um, as we sit here and we record this in November, prior to Thanksgiving, and this is probably going to air right around Thanksgiving, it really put me in the Christmas spirit. It really got me... I started feeling Christmas. I'm like, okay, I'm ready. Let's go. We had a little bit of snow the other day. I'm, it, was, it oddly got me ready. Because... And you know why? Because it is a redemption tale. I wonder if you took more from it because you have a more positive connection to Christmas to begin with. Well, again, I think that I might have, and that might have been this thing that put me in the Christmas spirit, but I think that this is a tale that Christmas is only part of it because it's Santa, and it's the comment on society, on American society and Western culture as a whole is what I think is the backbone of this book. I mean, I don't know. I just feel like when, when I was reading it, I just didn't feel like Obviously, you read it a little bit deeper than I did, but even I obviously acknowledged that a lot of that was being referenced, but it just didn't feel it didn't feel unique to me. And I don't know what I was expecting from this. And I don't know, maybe if I came, I came in with higher expectations for some reason, even though I knew the writers and I remember their Deadpool run being very similar in the way that they did their commentary and violence for the sake of violence as a reflection. Um I just, I, I don't know, like, just something about it, just, I finished it, and when I was done, I was literally like, that was just really weird. Oh, it's definitely and, weird. Oh, no, it's very weird, but I, I don't, and, and Lindsay asked me, she was like, was it, was it bad? I was like, no, but I don't know if I could recommend it to somebody. How did you come across this? Um, I knew this was my year for, uh, the Christmas retro, well, the holiday retro review. And I did some research on holiday, uh, comics that I had not read. And this came up and I'm familiar with everybody involved. Tony Moore, Rick Remender, Jerry, uh, Duggan and Brian Bosain. And I was like, I know these people. I saw some of the artwork. I was like, the art looks, you know, it, it looks adequate. And I saw that Patton Oswalt did a forward. I was like, this has to be at least funny and different than what we've done in the past. So I snagged it up. So you weren't familiar with this before, you know, 
No. Because I wasn't either, to be honest with you. I, I, But then I saw the, the pedigree behind it, and I'm like, oh, yeah, this is going to be demented. And it was, and I was expecting it, and I got what I expected for sure. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, it's funny you mentioned Deadpool, because if you think about it, I feel like he's just around one of these corners, and at any moment he could just pop out. I know that's one of Gary's favorite all-time favorite characters if not the all-time favorite character um if you if you read their run like you could definitely see parallels and you can tell they were writing them around the same time yeah and it's it's you know it's funny it's set in a post-apocalyptic uh america which i am they even say in there in some of the the uh the abstracts that they are suckers for post-apocalyptic stuff I find post-apocalyptic stuff very derivative at this point. Um, I wonder right now, are we in the post-apocalypse? Are we entering the apocalypse? We don't know. It's so it's sort of like, um, you know, it's one of these things I'm going to have to do, Phil. This is the absolute opposite spectrum of Claus or Klaus, whichever way you want to phrase it, which is the miniseries that came out about five, six years ago. And I think you need to check that out. Are you the, the, which which one the origin like the year the one Klaus six, stuff the six issue, um the six issues was the everything that's been released since then has been a one shot. There is another uh, series um above the Klaus. There is one other um that's not a one shot. So there was the first six. So there's a new one coming. Are you saying the one that's coming out this year is a? No, there unless unless this thing collects. Uh, let me see what it, if it collects because there's Klaus, which is uh, the Grant Morrison, Dan mm-hmm. Mora. Right. Uh, let me see if this what this collects. No, there's Klaus, the New Adventures of Santa Claus too. All right, so that's probably they're just saying that's one series now. Then. Oh yeah. So which, which Klaus gonna... and the Witch of Winter and the Chris. Crisis in Xmasville. So the Witch of Winter is one shot. The Crisis in Xmasville is a one shot. Um, everything before those is a six issue miniseries. Are they relatively long then? Like no, not really. No, they're not. They're, I mean, probably longer than your average comic. They're quick reads. But Dan Mora's art, who's doing Once in Future. Um, I think we're going to be talking about that a little bit next month. What's that? Oh, yeah. I can't even... I have three issues waiting for me to read, and I can't wait to do it. Um, uh, So, I... I And that's one of the reasons I picked up Once in Future. It was like, I wonder what this is about. I was like, Arthurian legend, uh, a retelling of Arthurian legend, and I saw Art Dan Moore. I'm like, well, that's a no-brainer. So, so would you recommend The Last Christmas, Phil? Like I said, I think it'd be a struggle to. I I'd, I'd recommend it to the right people. I don't think I'd recommend it to anybody. Everybody. So that's, that's a really good way of putting it. Um, so when, when, what month did this was this released? Do you know? I can check really quickly. Because I uh I remember Claus came out and it was advertised as a six issue miniseries and it ended up ballooning to seven issues, the last of which came out in March, and I remember having this like and reading the first two issues and then like it was november i'm like do i want to read about santa claus in like february march and april because i think actually now that i think of it, it might not have come out until the summer so i ended up like you know what i'm just gonna save it 
and I saved it for the following uh, holiday season. Um, so it's uh, I, I it's weird because if you're gonna do something like this, and it was how many issues? Five. Five. Yeah. So they, I, I'm just interested in when this was released. If they came out. The trade came out in November. I don't know the individual issue release date. That would be interesting to know because if there's five issues, so what are you talking about? The first one's coming out in uh, August? If you're going to leave this into Christmas? Well, again, that's that's for the trade. So, um, Well, right. I'm speaking about each individual issue. I wonder when they were released. I'm, I'm I'm trying to find it. So, um... Do you know about, and I just finished reading this today at lunch, what's next? Because it says not the end. Do you know what's next? I don't I don't know if there is a what's next. Okay, so you don't know. If, all right. Um, so we don't know if anything else came from this? I don't think so. I think, you know, one of the, um, <laughs> I thought if you have the trade, you have the same trade idea. If you write on the back, Gail Simone has the best quote about this thing. Uh, she says, Funnier than Apocalypse Now, bloodier than It's a Wonderful Life, The Last Christmas reads like a drunken dare as told by bent but talented serial killers. <laughs> Funny? God, yes. Funny, but with a surprising dramatic bite. This book is perfect for those who like their Christmas stockings filled with venomous snakes instead of candy canes. It's <laughs> like, yes, okay. there it is. So it was originally published in 2006, yeah. actually, and uh, it was May. Oh, starting May, in June, May. July, August, September. Okay, so oh wow, they didn't. Even, I guess you wanted ahead of the holiday season. That's interesting to me. Yeah, I wonder if they did that because they knew they were probably going to sell more in the trade, and the trade came out in November the following or the following year, and then re-released in 2013 is what you said, right? Yeah, 2013. Well, they released the trade when they were writing Deadpool because oh. they had kicked up a lot of interest. Yeah, it's a, it's certainly, if you're a traditional Christmas person, this is not for you. Um, no. If there is more, would you are, you, are you to the point where you would check it out? I don't, I, I don't. I don't know. I really don't know. I, like I said, it was very... I don't know. Maybe if I read it again in the scope of the way you were explaining it, perhaps I would enjoy it more. Because like I said, I don't know what I was expecting. Like I was expecting the violent ridiculousness, but I, I think I was just expecting more meat to it. Because like as soon as it started, I was like, well, I know exactly how this is going to play out. Like There were no surprises. There's very, I don't know. I really don't know. I think it would depend what the sequel was. Like, I think one of the only like true laughs I had in it was when they revealed the Tooth Fairy. Oh yeah, that was fun. I, I, I was just gonna say, like, if it wasn't Santa Claus as the main character, how would it have read? The same. Well, like, I just don't. I don't. I don't know if the. Uh, purpose like i get why santa claus is the is the protagonist i do but i just i don't know it'd be very easy rewrite to make it anybody but 
So there was, there was no shock value, the fact that this was Santa that was doing all this? Not at this point. I oh, mean, I've I... seen Bloody Santa before. Okay. I, I don't know. I think there was, because you've seen Bloody Santa, but you haven't seen Santa sink into the pit of despair that their Santa did to the point where he just lets Christmas die, and he he wants it to die and to the point where... He, in two separate occasions, he realizes that, oh, there's literally only one kid who's keeping this thing alive. And if he's gone, I can finally end this. I can finally rest. I can find he wants basically he's going to die is what he thinks. Um, so he sets out to kill the kid. Right, Phil? Mm-hmm. And then later the kid makes one last effort to reach out to him because he's in big trouble and he's you know you you still have a chance to redeem yourself i basically you know i forgive you you can redeem yourself and santa initially is like oh someone's going to do this for me that's great and then you know that's when he starts cycling through it wait a minute this is not right i'm dishonoring the memory of all those who helped me and so I don't know how this works. I mean, it's 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 a redemption tale. Redemption tales have been told hundreds, thousands, yeah. and will continue. But in this particular case, to see him sink so low to come back, I mean, who who else? Superman, you know, it would be that would be as effectual. It had to be to me this this wholesome, pure character that children look upon with absolute joy and wonder. Um, which, of course, you know, obviously you want to keep this away from the kids because, you know, there's some yeah, scenes in there sure. that are quite fun. Well, well. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I stand by. I, I liked it. I thought it was good. I, I, I definitely, you know, someone to who the intelligence level of these people is something I am jealous of. Um, the fact that they are not afraid to take something like this and just for lack of a better term, bastardize it as intentionally and as highly as they possibly can. Um, but yet, somehow, still give it a little bit of heart at the end. I think it's impressive. I, I really enjoyed it. I thought Remender's artwork was, was spot on. You know, Remender's artwork at times almost reminded me of some of those Bank and Rass characters. I wonder if that was intentional. Like those old Rudolph stop-motion animation... Um, I'm not sure which part he handled and which part Tony Moore handled. Oh yeah, you're right. I'm sorry. Um, the throughout the throughout the series, it sort of looked like that. Mm-hmm. You know, is there any question you still have? Because here's the one I have, Phil. The the villain. What was his name? Oh, I forget. The villain, the guy who takes over the Marauders. Yeah, the one that killed Miss Claus. His connection, what was his connection to Santa? Why did he, why was he the one that killed Mrs. Claus? Because they were trying to, they raided the North Pole while he was doing his last Christmas run. And she was there, so they killed her. Because they were trying to well, break Well, that I Santa know, like, but I, I felt like there was a time where, and maybe I'm misremembering this, where uh, they looked up, oh, it's you. And I guess it would just be Santa like, oh, yeah, I know, because he knows everyone, right? I mean, he's on the list. Yeah. And so, yeah, I guess, I guess that, I guess maybe I was reading a little bit too much into it, that it was supposed to be someone I was familiar with. No, 
it's someone Santa's familiar with because Santa's familiar with everybody. Um, I like the gingerbread yeah, cookies too. The gingerbread cookies were fun. Yeah, I mean, there were definitely there were definitely some like fun moments in it. I just, I don't know, it just didn't wow me. <laughs> Do you like? Uh, I wonder if I'll take a picture and put it on Instagram. Uh, the lead villain's fate at the end uh gary it's uh he ends up getting impaled on a christmas tree and then everyone sings christmas carols around it at the end oh sort of like the angel on top mm-hmm. yeah exactly oh i'm trying to do a little quick research on this myself right now as far as the uh you know cover art and whatnot just to get an idea what you guys are talking about here yeah, I mean, it, it is a quick read for what it is, considering it's five issues. By the way, who's the narrator, Phil? Uh, oh, uh, Frosty. No, that's not what Santa calls him. But it's it's still Frosty, man. What was his name? I can't remember off the top Gary! of my head. The, the Frosty's name is Gary. Oh. What? Yeah. I was going to say, you have the book in front of you, sir. Well, I I meant to bring that up earlier, because I, once I knew Gary was going to be on the program. Uh, yeah, this is, right. uh, here you go, Gary. That's that's Frosty Gary, the snowman. All right. Yeah, good artwork. I like it. Yeah, All right. I think the, the art's fine. I, I You know what, Phil? It's, it's interesting. Um, I think this is one of the few times you uh, were sort of, you sort of met with something you reviewed, well, you know, Meh, I guess is the best way I'd describe it. I I don't think it's the first that I've been met on, but this is probably the the thing that I think is the most divisive. Like I don't, it'd be hard for me to. It would be hard if someone asked me should I read it to give them a straight answer. Like I'd have to explain why it's worth reading versus why it's worth not reading. And I've never had to really do that before. Like, just generally, if someone's like, is this worth reading? I'm like, yep, or nope. And this one is like, well, kind of, depending on what you want to get from it. If you want to get, like, what you got from it, sure. I'm, I'm going to float this to Maria. She will love this. Yeah. <laughs> she loves that kind of stuff. She's all into it. Um, so, so, Gary, if you want a weird Christmas tale, man, like, go for it. <laughs> like I said, I'll... Uh... Read it right after I watch Santa's Sleigh again. So, I've not seen that, Gary. Is it any good? I haven't seen it either. I just know Goldberg's in it, and that's enough for me. Oh, all right. So, yeah, well, <laughs> seems reason enough. All right, guys. So that is the last Christmas A glowing recommendation from Darren. It sounds. Yeah, I, 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 thought, I thought it was fun, but I'll say that you are one hundred percent correct, Phil. Uh, you got this has to be given to the right people. You put you can't put right. this in everybody's hands. God no, no. There'd be so many people that would hate it. You know, Not conversely, me, but... uh, earlier in the episode, I talked about Superman: Peace on Earth, and I don't think I would hand that to the people who would who would be really into the Last Christmas. I consider myself an anomaly, so um, that's interesting. I, I feel like this is something that I'm going to revisit next holiday season and see how I feel then. Maybe because the world is so full of despair right now, I couldn't enjoy it to the level yeah. that I probably maybe, should. Maybe we needed a little bit more uh, traditional Christmas spirit as opposed to circumventing that. Um, yeah. By kicking Claws off the Christmas of season. Last Christmas. Yeah, you kicked off your Christmas season with something that couldn't be more violent. <laughs> yeah, not the um, best. 
Yeah, it's a uh, yeah, yeah. You're right. You were one hundred percent correct about. It. You gotta give it to the right person. Yeah, so I'll revisit it when my I'm in a different mind space. Yeah, we guess we gotta but, find out if there's more. If there were, if there, if there is actually more to this. I, I don't think there is. Jerry Duggan and Brian Posehn frequently start projects and they don't actually get to finish them due to their busy schedules. So, or if that was just you know something for the reader, like the the adventure continues. Um, yeah, maybe. So, all right. Well, not a great man, title was... though. It wasn't the last Christmas. No, it was not. So, uh, obviously, that we had, we actually talked about a good bit here. Um, I wasn't sure if we would have as much to talk about, but it, it worked out pretty well. Uh, so, next month, we are doing like our end of the year wrap up, end of the year awards, talking about the things that we really loved that appeared this year in nerd culture. And we've really expanded out over the years. It used to just be like comic stuff, and now it's movies and TV shows and a little bit of everything. Um, so definitely look forward to that. Uh, and do you guys have anything to plug? I do not. Cricket? Well, no, I do not. Nothing? All right. Well, as always, you can follow us on Instagram, which you should because we stay pretty much on top of the things that we are posting uh, and talking about in the show. So definitely, definitely, definitely do that. Uh, follow us at panel scanners. It's not the panel scanners. It is panel scanners, one word. Um, and hopefully Darren will have that masters of the universe from, uh, Christmas up there pretty soon and, uh, follow us there and you can communicate with us and tell us what you like, what you don't like. If you agree with our comic choices and all that fun stuff. So until next month, Enjoy your comics.